1: Good afternoon, beloved family. How are you? I am happy to be with you. I'm always thrilled to be with you. I'm happy when our computer works out. So far, all is well. And um, uh, we have so much hope in the church. Things are getting worse by the day. I saw a political cartoon on the news today with um, a uh, Democrat political leader um, pulling a child a little boy, from their parents' arms, and the father has hold of the boy, and the mother has hold of the father, and the, the the boy is being torn apart. The parents are trying to hold on to him. The Democratic leader is pulling him away, and as the leader is pulling him away, there's three demonic creatures on the other side of the, demon, of the um, Democrat. One of them is injecting the boy with... Um, Uh, some vaccine Uh, another one is presenting him a dress a girl's dress and the third one I couldn't make out what he was doing Um, and it's from New Jersey I think it's from New Jersey I I have to double check where the the vote is to take uh, children from their parents and to say parents have absolutely no right to have a say in their children's education, or choice of transgender. It's to be hidden from the parents. Fully demonic. This isn't political. It's not religious. It's totally demonic, which is always religious, against all of God's plans. So it's on us, beloved. This is no longer a fairy tale or futuristic situation that may never happen. It's already on us. If you don't take your children... If you don't get control of your family, fathers, if you don't take your children out of the schools and bring them home and raise them in the faith, you will ruin your children and you will lose them to the devil because you will hand them over to the devil. God has given us the home to raise and educate the children and anything else in this evil world will destroy them and break up the family and you will not live your vocation. I know that's those are dire words, but. That's the truth. So this morning, I'd like to read our Bishop Strickland. Every week, he's coming out with another letter. Uh, His initial letter on the Synod of Synod Alley was written August 27, 22, August 22, in which he uh, outlined seven areas, serious doctrinal areas of the faith that are being challenged by this synod and um, destined to cause great confusion in the church. Um, And so Bishop Strickland wrote a letter to his flock, and each week he has produced another letter on another point in succession. And this week, um, yesterday actually, he came out with his third letter on September 19th. On the third point of the first letter, of August 22nd, which is the issue of matrimony. And he he writes this. <clears throat> Why Bishop Strickland seems to be the only bishop in the country, if not the world, doing this is the greatest mystery. I know there are shepherds who care for their sheep. I I, I cannot relegate it simply to fear. I don't know what it is, but... Anyway, Bishop Strickland writes, my dear sons and daughters in Christ, I write to you today to discuss more fully the third basic truth that I spoke of in my first pastoral letter issued on August 22nd, 2023. Quote, the sacrament of matrimony is instituted by God. Through natural law, God has established marriage as between one man and one woman, faithful to each other for life, and open to children. That's straight out of the Catechism, number 1601. And Bishop goes on to say humanity has no right or true ability to redefine marriage. In addition to the sacrament of matrimony, I, Bishop Strickland says, will also discuss the sacrament of holy orders in this letter, as both matrimony and holy orders are vocations and are therefore calls from our Lord to share our lives with others in special ways. Both matrimony and holy orders confer a special grace that is primarily directed not toward the salvation of the one who receives the sacrament, but in particular toward the salvation of those who are served by the one married or ordained. Thus, both are properly understood as sacraments of service. In both cases, the fundamental aspect, as intended by God, is a self-sacrificial love that wills the sanctification of the beloved. Oh, dear ones, this is in such opposition to the me-centered world of today. According to the Catechism of the Council of Trent, Hold on. Go ahead. There's some interference outside. I'll continue to read. According to the catechism... Is that on your end, um, James? Okay. Um, You can hear it, though, right? Can can you hear that? Hold on. Um, Let me just... um, Everybody, hold on a second. I'm going to continue... to talk to you, but I just have to get a little, well, we'll, well, until it comes back. Here it is. Here it is. Hold on now. Um, John, comma. Okay, let's hope that helps him. So now, <clears throat> this is contrary to what the world is doing. According to the Catechism, of the Council um, of Trent, marriage, quote, is a a conjugal union between a man and a woman, both in legal status, in which they establish a perpetual and indissoluble union of lives. There are two goals in this union, procreation and education of the offspring, and the mutual support of the spouses. Well, there it is again uh beloved i'm going to continue reading and at our first break uh, we have some c- construction going on outside i'll check on what it might be this definition and that is that there are two goals in this union procreation and education of the offspring and the mutual support of the spouses this definition is applicable to both marriage between two non-baptized people and marriage between two baptized people in the first the marriage is contracted according to natural law and in the second the marriage is contracted according to the church and is fortified by sacramental graces james should we continue at the moment uh can you hear things clearly okay good all right then uh, Bishop Strickland says, let us look specifically at three major building blocks of marriage. First, let us look at the definition of marriage as being between one man and one woman. <clears throat> we can turn to the initial chapters of the book of Genesis for the clear revelation that marriage between one man and one woman is ordained by God for the proper ordering of humanity. The Lord God said, this is from Genesis chapter 2, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suited to him. And then, quote, So the Lord God cast a deep sleep on the man. And while he was asleep, he took out one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. The Lord God then built the rib that he had taken from the man into a woman. When he brought her to the man, the man said, This one, at last, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one has been taken. End quote from Genesis 2. Because marriage was divinely instituted by God as between one man and one woman, there is simply no right given to humanity to depart from this foundational truth of marriage. Now, again, people could say, I have a right to do what I want. Well, the right is not from God. God gives us rights to do what is right, free will to, do, to choose what is right. He gives us no free will to choose what is wrong or evil. Bishop says, I will reemphasize this point. Marriage can only be between one man and one woman. Our global society has entered gravely dangerous territory, as it promotes various distortions of intimate human relationships and attempts to label them as marriage. These models are not rooted in the truth, which God has revealed to us in sacred scripture and which is woven into natural law. And we are seeing the sad fruits of these denials of God's divine blueprint for marriage. There's the music, dearest. For our first break, we'll continue this when we come back from the break. And if we don't complete it today, we'll, we'll continue with it tomorrow. And it's so obvious that in every case where humanity has turned from God's design and from God, therefore, um, we have death, destruction and death. Um, our toll free number, beloved, that will take your calls and your emails after the second break. Is 1 877 5483 or email at mother at the station of We'll be right back. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith filled priests? You can tune in to sermons for everyday living every day at 6 AM Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on the or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio Mobile app. God bless you.
2: The truth of the kingdom of God is in fact binary. You are either in or you are out. There are four last things. Death judgment heaven and hell and even this basic truth of our eternal existence is now sometimes called into question there have been theologians who argue that we don't even know if anyone's in hell and maybe no one ever goes there to that first of all it's not true as the church has always taught, that there's going to be a judgment for each and every individual soul, and we will be judged on the basis of our deeds and deemed either forgiven for our sins and accepted into the kingdom or cast into the fiery gehenna. And so, they're the only two possible outcomes in the end.
3: That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give.
4: I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station
5: daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs, I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross.
3: Donate today at thestationofthecross.com.
0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at com.
1: Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. I, I think during the break we found the problem We have so much land now uh, that our sisters are planting vegetables and working in the kitchen and office work and all over the place. And so we've got walkie-talkies. We just got them yesterday (laughs) to communicate with each other. And we think that may be the problem. So I turned mine off and we'll see if it works. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm going to continue now with Bishop uh, Strickland's uh, third pastoral letter um, on marriage and then Holy Orders. In response to uh, some serious subjects being spoken of uh, on the synod and on synodality, and he he continues by saying, the second building block of marriage is that it is meant to be a lifetime commitment, a perpetual and indissoluble union of two lives united together in a lifelong covenant. Marriage. Marriages that end in divorce and thus fail to fulfill the call of an enduring bond cause havoc not only in the lives of each member of the broken family, but also in society. Compassion compels us to pray for those who have experienced broken marriages that God's grace may bring healing, forgiveness, and wholeness. But we recognize that the pain and upheaval Brought about from the breakdown of the marriage, testify to the necessity of marriage as a permanent and unbreakable covenant. If one or both of the parties enter a marriage lacking this firm resolution for permanence, it can spell disaster for this union. And it also calls into question whether a true marriage has taken place because an essential element was missing from the beginning. <clears throat> Finally, Bishop writes, we turn to the third building block of marriage, that it is to be open to children. The Church, in her wisdom, guided by sacred tradition, does not claim that a childless marriage is not a true marriage. The point which the Church insists on, however, is that there must be an openness to children in the marriage. The prevalent use of contraception, even among believing Catholics, undermines this third essential building block of marriage in devastating ways. It is crucial that we address this issue with the gravity it demands. Bishop Strickland says, in these current times, the Catholic Church seems to stand virtually alone in opposing contraception because the Church has always recognized that contraception runs contrary to God's plan for human life, and that cannot and will not change. Prior to 1930, virtually every other Christian community also stood in opposition to the use of contraception as a gravely sinful act. In 1930, at the Lambeth Conference, the Anglican Communion declared that married couples, for serious reasons, could use artificial contraception. And it was not long after this that numerous other Protestant denominations also approved the use of contraception. However, the Catholic Church held firm that artificial contraception was, is, and forever will be gravely sinful. Beloved, that means if you're using contraception, you must not receive the Holy Eucharist because you are in mortal sin. And unless you not only confess that sin, but have a firm amendment to never repeat it, you must not receive Holy Communion. The bishop continues, on New Year's Eve of 1930, the church officially responded to those who argued in favor of contraception by the release of Pope Pius XI's encyclical on marriage, Casti Canubi. This encyclical clearly clearly reiterated Sorry, this encyclical clearly reiterated that the use of any artificial means of birth control was prohibited because it interfered with God's design for human life and therefore was a mortal sin. Beloved, if you've not read Casti Canubi, I thought this was such an important document that several years ago I had it printed out, quite extensive, and sent it out with every newsletter. 5,000 copies at the time. Um, Since therefore, this is from Casti Canubi, quote, since therefore, openly departing from the uninterrupted Christian tradition, some recently have judged it possible uh, solemnly to declare another doctrine regarding this question. Excuse me. The Catholic Church, to whom God has entrusted the defense of the integrity and purity of morals, standing erect in the midst of the moral ruin which surrounds her, in order that she may preserve the chastity of the nuptial union from being defiled by this foul stain, raises her voice in token of her divine ambassadorship. And through our mouth, our mouth, capital O, because it's um, Pope Pius XI is speaking of himself through our mouth, proclaims anew. Any use whatsoever of matrimony exercised in such a way that the act is deliberately frustrated in its natural power to generate life is an offense against the law of God and of nature, and those who indulge in such are branded with the guilt of a grave sin. Beloved, don't take this lightly because unless, if you're using contraception, unless you repent and turn from that, you will not be in heaven. You will not be because at the moment you're in grave sin. Bishop says, in the 1960s, the intervention of the birth control pill gave rise to the so-called sexual revolution. The majority of women who wanted to thwart their natural fertility now turned to the birth control pill. However, most women then as now were not aware that both birth control pills have an abortifacient component, meaning these pills can and do cause the termination of a fertilized ovum, a conceived child, as one of their functions. The connection between birth control and abortion was intentionally downplayed by birth control advocates in order to bring less scrutiny of hormonal contraceptives. However, we as Catholics must understand that the use of such drugs could actually cause a conceived child to be aborted before a woman even knew she was carrying a child. As children of God, made in His image and likeness, we are called to honor and respect each human being from conception until natural death. Conception stands in the way of this. Contraception. Sta- it's contra. Contraconception. Contra conce- contraception stands in the way of this. And therefore Catholics must reject. The use of hormonal contraceptives. As gravely sinful. Regarding abortion. Beloved if you have any questions on this that pertain to your individual situation, or what do you do about this or that, um, call in during our second half hour, and we'll see if we could help and refer you to some good resources. Regarding abortion, the bishop continues, the Catechism of the Catholic Church states, quote, since the first century, the church has affirmed the moral evil of every procured abortion. This teaching has not changed, and it remains unchangeable direct abortion that is to say abortion willed either as an end or a means is gravely contrary to the moral law catechism 2271 modern science is not changed has not changed the church's teaching against abortion but instead has confirmed that the life of each individual begins with the earliest zygote and embryo Because each and every human life has inherent dignity, each life must be treated with respect. I remember one day I was driving with a group of people on the highway and a car passed us with a little sticker on it and it said, Former Zygote Driving. (laughs) Okay, we hope the internet will stand. You might hear some thunder outside. There's a storm coming. Bishop Strickland says, I would like to focus now on the importance of marriage as a sacrament, a sign of Christ's grace at work in the world. A marriage is sacramental when it is validly celebrated between a baptized man and a baptized woman. Matrimony is the one sacrament that the participates confirm, participants confirm on one another. <clears throat> this sacrament reality, this sacramental reality encompasses all the natural marriage and adds to it the beauty of a vocation lived out before God with his grace given to the husband and wife to live out that vocation. Just as natural marriage is foundational for human civilization, sacramental marriage is essential for the life of the church. The grace that flows into the lives of a man and a woman in a sacramental marriage, also flows out from their union as a blessing for their family and their community. Bishop Fulton Sheen, years ago, wrote a wonderful book, and the title is Three to Get Married, because in a sacramental marriage, there's three, the husband, the wife, and Christ. Sacramental marriage reaps the blessing from graces which allow the man and woman Along with any children, they are blessed to nurture, to form a domestic church, and to live out their unique call to holiness in their family as directed by God. For the church to accomplish her mission of bringing Christ to the world, holy sacramental marriages are essential. And beloved, how many times, I I could never count the number of times I've said, um, quoting Leo Popley of the 13th, that... um, Uh, The family is the cell of civil society. And without marriage, there's no family. As we approach the upcoming synod on synodality, Bishop Strickland writes, we must continue to hold fast to sacred scripture, the sacred traditions of the church, and the unchangeable deposit of faith, which illumine and guide our faith regarding matrimony. We must be aware of and reject any call for a change in the unchangeable reality of marriage. And we must also reject any call for recognition or blessings on relationships which attempt, attempt, excuse me, attempt to simulate or redefine the sacrament of matrimony. Any relationship that is not a true marriage but attempts to portray itself as a true marriage is a deception that would inevitably lead souls away from Christ and into the hands of the deceiver. As your spiritual father, Bishop Strickland writes, I must caution you in the strongest terms, do not accept this deception. How I praise God, beloved, for Bishop Strickland. How utterly wonderful, Um, such a shepherd to guard his sheep and stare them in the midst of this evil, present evil darkness into the way of truth and the path to heaven. There's the music for our second break. Our half hour coming up is ours for your calls and your emails. Our toll free number 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com We'll... Hear what listeners are saying about the free iCatholic Radio
3: mobile app.
4: Through the iCatholic Radio app, I have listened to the sermons and teachings several times. The effect has been a deeper understanding of my faith and Catholic tradition. This app has truly been a blessing in my life and has increased my faith.
3: Listen live or at your convenience to your favorite shows. Just search for iCatholic Radio in your app store today. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media
2: Network. It raises the question, I think, for a convert like me or for a cradle Catholic is why are we seeing the human leadership of the Catholic Church steer the Church in a direction that doesn't seem consistent with Catholicism of the last 1900 years? That's The Simple
3: Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on The Station of the Cross.
0: The Station of the Cross began broadcasting in Buffalo, New York in 1999. Since then, our listening areas have multiplied and expanded into several states. While our mission is to grow the Catholic faith through radio and other media outlets, our apostolate is supportive of, but independent from your local diocese. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments.
5: Station of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the Programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience.
0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at com.
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she, and we are live today. And we have a storm coming, so I hope it doesn't interfere with our connection. We're really out in the country, and the, the Internet is not terrific. But um, we have a beautiful angel named Brian, and he's spent day and night working on it. So far, so good. Okay. Um, again, the toll-free number, one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com with anything whatsoever on your heart. We have an email from John Paul <clears throat> who says, When reading the New Testament, there are numerous references to Herod. At the same time, these references do not seem to apply to the same person. Is there more than one Herod mentioned in the Holy, Holy Bible? Absolutely, uh, John Paul. There are um, numerous Herods. And I'm just taking a quick look at the Catholic Encyclopedia Um Uh, And it says Herod, um, and the Greek is eros, uh, was the name of many rulers mentioned in the New Testament and in history. It was known long before the time of the biblical Herods. Um, And the Herods connected with the early history of Christianity are the following. Um, Herod, surname the Great. Uh, Let me see if I can just scroll down here and give you others, and they're going to be familiar to you. Um, Herod Archelaus, um Antipas Herod Agrippa Herod Agrippa 1 and 2 um and so forth so uh you could look at catholic.com and get the herods of scripture and the fact that Herod um uh was named from the greek um who um um uh, i guess was let me just see uh, he is, His surname, the one surnamed Herod the Great, um, is called the evil genius of the Judean nation. He was a son of uh, Antipater and Idumean. Uh, the Idumeans were brought under the subjection by John Hyrcanus Her- toward the end of the second century BC and obliged to live as Jews so that they were considered Jews uh, and so forth. So there's a good history there. It's on catholic.com and from the Catholic Encyclopedia. Okay, we have an email now from Jeff. Jeff says, uh, hold on now. Um, He says, Mother, would you please talk about fasting in combination with prayer? I've recently seen several priests mention this. And wondered to what extent should we fast? God bless. Well, I think way back, Jeff, our Blessed Mother suggested our fasting on Wednesday, Friday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday for meat, abstaining from meat, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, and fasting on certainly Wednesday and Friday. Wednesday called Spy Wednesday, the day our Lord was betrayed by Judas, and Friday um, in remembrance of Good Friday, the day our Lord died for us. And so those two days are normally fasting days. We do that here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. We don't refrain completely from food. Um, We abstain from meat for sure. We have a very uh, small breakfast and one meal at 6 o'clock, which is usually maybe a little bit of tuna fish in a salad or salmon in a salad, just very light, no dessert, nothing else. So that's not totally fasting. It's enough for the body to be well-sustained, but um, we abstain from uh, being full and, and, and having whatever condiments we otherwise might have. So it's good to do that. When we fast, we offer our sufferings up in union with our Lord who suffered and gave us all for us. Um, and in combination with prayer, when we're thinking of food all the time, and when we're full, it, it brings our body, makes us tired, uh, we can't even concentrate in prayer. But when we fast uh, and we abstain from food, our body is healthier, our mind is clearer to truly focus on God and not fall asleep in prayer. Although falling asleep is not a sin, but um, our body is healthier. All of us should um, uh, involve, uh, be involved in some form of fasting. And with keto diets and everything today, Many people are, but it doesn't count spiritually unless you're fasting from food for love of God and for times of prayer. We have an email from Mindy who writes, Hello, Mother Miriam. I would like to know if you can give a straightforward explanation of exactly what Holy Mother Church teaches regarding natural family planning and the spacing of children. My husband and I are faithful Catholics with the nine children. God bless you. We homeschool and homestead and have facilitated many theology of the body, small groups over the years. I'm 43 years old, and I had gestational diabetes and high blood pressure during my most recent pregnancy and eclampsia, which almost took my life at the birth of our youngest child, who is now age two. The doctors, of course, remind me of my gestational womb and suggests the likelihood that I will have much of the same complications increase with additional pregnancies. My husband and I have prayerfully utilized NFP, natural family planning, since then, but I am recently feeling less at peace in doing so, and I cannot discern whether I am experiencing guilt from the enemy so as to steal my joy and make my vocation as wife and mother difficult, or if it is a stirring from the Lord about a lack of trust in him on my part. No, it's not to do with the lack of trust, because we don't tempt God. We don't presume. um, If we feel that we have serious medical uh, reasons to not be uh, um, pregnant further, then we either, uh, we have the use of natural family planning given by the church, that's a legitimate reason if the health of the mother is at stake, or you also have the choice of totally abstaining from intimacy. That's your choice, and either way is okay. Um, She said, I have prayed that the Lord send me a holy spiritual advisor, which I need greatly in this season of my life, as my eldest children become adults and I continue to tend to my own marriage. My husband and I have yet to find a clergy person who will or can answer this straightforwardly for us. And I am honestly beginning to question many of those things which we have learned and taught and lived regarding even natural family planning. At this time, I don't know what you're questioning now. At this time, we have discerned at the suggestion of my husband, spiritual director that I will set some goals for becoming healthier slash stronger so that I am better prepared for pregnancy if that is what the Lord has in store for us and wait for the Lord to answer us. Okay, so far, because it's a long email. Um, I do not believe in natural family planning. Um I, I, natural family procreation is better, um, but the church allows through natural family planning, again, for us to withhold uh, from being of of um, uh, having becoming pregnant during our fertile times uh, by that rhythm of the body and natural fa- NFP natural family planning. That is not a f- to be a form generally of Catholic birth control, which new couples have used. Well, we'll use NFP for the first two years and then, we'll, um, and then we'll try to have children. You are in sin if you do that because if you're not open to life, you're in sin as a couple. Now, if the wife or other reasons are very, very serious health-wise, could be psychological, could be financial, but they're serious reasons That is uh, what NFP is for, so that you can, um, for very serious reasons, withhold uh, from having additional children for a time. Again, you also have, so all you're doing is abstaining during your fertile times. That's perfectly all right, uh, for serious reasons. Um, Or again, you can totally abstain completely. And so your husband's suggestion that you set some goals for becoming healthier, stronger, so you're better prepared for pregnancy is very good. And in that case, from intimacy altogether and focus on getting a stronger body and not have the burden back of you that you might get pregnant even through NFP, that would be good. I think your husband's uh, idea is very good um and wait for the lord to answer i think that's good but absolutely be under a doctor's care and she says in this state of life mother with school lessons potty training and meals etc i do not get to listen to your show as often as i would like could you or someone on your staff please let me know if you answer my question on air so i can look up the episode and listen to your reply and james uh, our dear producer said yes he 's going to email you this reply, and she says, "Thank you so much. God bless you in your vocation and in this ministry peace mindy mindy, um, you and your husband sound truly wonderful, and I would say if you choose to abstain from intimacy and focus on getting your body back in health that's and and uh, the time of abstaining from intimacy would be a time of prayer for you and your husband choose a good book to read through, whatever it may be, uh, I think that would be very good. But again, if not, and you simply use NFP to abstain during your more, more fertile times, that is also fine. The church allows both, Mindy, so um, for serious medical reasons or psychological or financial. I think your situation fits that. You don't necessarily need to put your body in danger. I hope this is helpful to you, Mindy. Um, And I'll go on to the next email. Um, uh, It's written by someone who writes it anonymously and says, Hi, Mother. What are your thoughts on professional sports games taking place on Sunday, even during the evening? Should people attend these games, even if they go to Mass beforehand? Thank you for any thoughts, and congratulations on your final vows. Thank you so much. I do not believe anything professional should take place on Sunday. Sunday is to be a day of rest. And if we go to professional sports, we are um, demanding, in a sense, that people work when we take the day off. Because the park has to be open. There needs to be some kind of... uh, I don't know, security or um, uh, refreshments or um, tickets or whatever it may be. Um, People there. And they should not have to work on a Sunday. We should set the example of uh, keeping the Lord's Day. It's a whole day. It's an entire day, evening included. Um, And let the world know that the world of faith uh, is not open to any worldly uh, activities on Sunday but only to worshiping God and being together as a family or being together as friends but not attending any public venues. Um, email we have an email from Fran who says hello mother um, I heard you say on your show today that a good place for single Catholics to find a good Catholic spouse is CatholicSingles.com. Could you affirm that site? Um, oh, wow. Thank you kindly, Fran. No, Fran, I can't affirm or not affirm it. I don't know what made me say CatholicSingles.com. I may have met a couple who met on CatholicSingles.com, and have a beautiful marriage. I may have, I may have referred them for that reason, but I, I have nothing negative to say about them. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I, I don't, I don't know CatholicSingles.com personally and how they function, so I can't recommend them. But I think Catholic sites, as a whole, if they operate very well with integrity and are truly Catholic, are fine.
3: Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes, we Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is in Infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from Saint Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
5: Please join us in a prayer to our guardian angel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Holy Guardian Angel, take care of our soul and body. Enlighten our mind that we may know the Lord better and love him with all our heart. Help us in our prayers so that we may not give in to distractions. Assist us with your advice so that we may see the good and carry it out with generosity. Defend us from the insidious snares of the enemy and sustain us in temptations that we may always be victorious. Remedy our coldness in our worship of the Lord. Cease not to protect us until you have brought us into paradise where we will praise our good God together for all eternity. Amen.
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. It's our last segment. We have 10 minutes. Time for you to call in if you wish. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. We have Nancy from Chicago on the line. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mother Miriam. Um, I just wanted to ask you, similar to the email you
4: read about the uh, 43-year-old mother, I'm 43 as well. Um, Before becoming a stay-at-home mom, I worked in fitness, so it's something I prioritize. And so, I mean, most women, if you're healthy, you can go well into your 50s, you know, to be fertile. And um, we have six children, age 23 down to three. And um, unfortunately, the last five uh, are cesareans. And um, with every... D-section you have after, you know, it increases some potential issues with the mother, really. Of course. Um, with of just course. developing, yeah, some, some stuff. So um, I, I, it's similar to that mother before. It's, you know, where's the line? I, I know that I, I am fertile and I could have babies and they'd be healthy. I mean, you know, God willing, but um, where's that line to say, you know, God, should I maintain NFP for the rest of my fertile years? or um that god should gosh, what? really it feels like this uh to, to practice nfp for the rest of my fertile years which you know could be another decade
1: and well um, or, i know a woman nancy i know a woman who had 12 c-sections
5: goodness.
1: she has 12 oh. children all of them c-section and there are others who you know struggle with more than one c-section there's no line up to the individual as you say you've stayed physically fit um, it's up to the status of the individual's health and the doctor and the danger to that person there's no uh, guidelines in that sense except when you truly could be putting your life in danger
4: mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And would that kind of, if, if, is it okay that I'm, I am I fear being in that danger and that that, you know, would be enough I think for so. me to say? I think you know? so. I believe so.
1: I believe so. Let me read you a little something here on NFP. <clears throat> the church's teaching on natural birth control or natural family planning is summarized in Canon 1013 of the 1917 Code of Canon Law. It states that the primary end of marriage is the procreation and education of children. The intention of having children, provided that this is possible, is consequently essential to the very substance of the matrimonial contract, which is for acts which are in themselves capable of engendering children. Interpreting the law, the church allowed periodic use of natural family planning for sufficiently grave reasons, such as serious medical or psychological reasons a couple had to consult with a priest to receive commission permission for using the method you see that's long gone now a couple would consult with a priest for permission to use NFP and then in 1968 Paul VI through Humanae Vitae opened the door much wider to NFP um uh, by encouraging medical science to study natural, rhythm, natural rhythms, etc. Um, uh, so, uh, I think, you know, the issue is no. If there's a serious reason, and in your situation, with five C-sections, and the woman that had 12 C-sections didn't live in fear that there was a problem, but that's a stress and concern you live in, which I think is enough for you to be able to use NFP.
4: I see. Okay. I, I guess, yeah, I guess I, if I had an existing condition, for me, that would be more, okay, I, I know that I don't, you know, we shouldn't right now, but with a potential, I was like, am I sinning if we keep going with NFP? But um, you, that helps a lot you know. right Yeah.
1: Okay. All right, sweetheart. And God bless you for your six children. Thank, Thank you. so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Um, <clears throat> hello, Mother. This is from Clayton. An email. I hope you're doing okay and are well. I am, Clayton. Thank you. I'm happy to see you've moved to Texas. We are thrilled to be in Texas, and especially under Bishop Strickland. Are there any churches you know of in New York City that offer Latin Mass? Or any churches, in your opinion, that offer the best English speaking Catholic Mass. Um, Holy Innocence in Manhattan, it's in the 40s. Uh, The Church of the Holy Innocence uh, has beautiful Latin Mass. There are others, absolutely others. All you need to do is look up a Latin Mass in New York. And you'll come up with others. But I've been to Holy Innocence in the 40s, I believe on the west side. A wonderful priest and a wonderful Latin parish. Um, so I hope that helps some. Clayton says, I live in Illinois and I'm taking a vocation to New- a vacation to New York City at the beginning of October. I know you mentioned you grew up in the state of New York. So any recommendations of good Catholic churches in... Or surrounding that area outside New York City would be appreciated. Love Clayton. Well, I do, grew up in New York in the synagogue, Clayton, Clayton. I grew up in Brooklyn. I passed hundreds of churches and never knew I saw one. So, um, but since I'm Catholic, uh, Holy Innocence is a good church, and um, and I I um, and there there I've been to others. There are beautiful. It might be St. John the Baptist. Beautiful. Uh, Latin mass churches and the churches in New York are absolutely gorgeous we have an email from Beryl who says hi mother Miriam my name is Beryl and I stumbled across your bio and contact information in a google search yesterday a little about me I'm a 40 year old 41 year old female from New Orleans Louisiana I'm married and have three children ages nine four and two I am Jewish Both parents, all four grandparents and all eight grandparents also were Jewish. Same in my case, Beryl. My mother's parents were Holocaust survivors from Austria, beautiful. My maternal great-grandparents were killed in concentration camps. I have been drawn to Christianity since my late teens. In college, I attended worship regularly with a close friend at a Protestant church. Life has been busy and I finally have circled back to my spiritual seeking i live in new orleans which is a largely catholic city my nine-year-old just began his seventh year of catholic school and my four-year-old just began her second year there the toddler will begin next fall we love the school the parish and the community i think that deep down i felt as though this is where i belonged when i registered my son for catholic school years ago Now that we are rooted in the community, I have begun to further explore my interest in the Christian-slash-Catholic faith. I'm currently in RCIA. I plan to become baptized along with my children in the spring. Beryl, this is so, so thrilling. You will not be rejecting your Jewish heritage. You will be honoring it and fulfilling it in the Jewish Messiah and in the church he established. Beryl continues... As the reality of my conversion and the thought of my raising my children Catholic sets in, I am both excited but equally and sometimes more terrified of my decision. Being a Jew with so much cultural and historical baggage, it's wonderful baggage, Beryl, it's wonderful baggage, um, gives me an uneasy feeling and leaves me questioning if I am making the right decision. You are, dear one. It is not because I'm a practicing Jew because I typically only go to a temple on Rosh Hashanah and or Yom Kippur Um, okay Um, Beryl dear one there's the closing music for our program today I will keep your email and read it reread it and respond to it first tomorrow in the interim if you're not aware of the website my own brother David heads the association of Hebrew Catholics all over the world Jews who have entered the church knowing it's the fulfillment of Judaism not its rejection Look up HebrewCatholic.net. We'll speak with you all tomorrow. God bless you.